Welcome to it. Welcome to episode 18 of Internal Budget. 18 episodes now, and that is just ridiculous. It's been nine since the NHL paused operations. And wow, has it felt like so much longer than that. The last episode before things went off the rails was the appropriately titled Episode 8, Off the Rails with Mad Bosty Bostelar. Serves me right for having Bosty on the podcast. In any case, yeah, it's been roughly eight, nine weeks without NHL hockey now. We're in May. We'd be fully within the throes about about halfway through the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, wow, it's just bizarre to not have hockey this time of year. And it's crazy to think that when we do have it, because we will have it, the NHL will finish this season. They'll at least attempt to, and barring some major catastrophe, they will see the playoffs through and award the Stanley Cup. And when that does happen, it'll be in empty arenas. Like, what's the Stanley Cup playoffs known for? The Stanley Cup playoffs is known for its atmosphere. If you've ever been to a playoff game, I've been fortunate enough to to have been to two playoff games. And it's just something else. Sorry, I phone my ringer's on there, so you're getting all my Snapchat notifications. Popular dude, but very unprofessional. But yeah, Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's just a different atmosphere. If you talk to the players and you listen to them give their two cents on things, they tell you the fans, they play a part in that game. Like if you're the home side and you've got that 20,000 people rallying behind you, there's, there's no way that doesn't have an effect and doesn't give you a boost. So it's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs shake out without that added benefit of having the crowds gonna be weird watching it on tv if you caught any of the ufc last week it was it was it was very strange not having fans in attendance obviously that's probably an understatement but the absence of the crowd noise it didn't affect it as much as i thought it would i thought it would make it maybe for like a less fun watch but all in all like the spectacle what you pay to see it's still there you know, the showmanship, the pageantry of the sport is still there. So the NHL will probably be similar in that aspect. What I can't wrap my head around, though, and I was talking about this on Twitter today, there are people who are saying just cancel the NHL season because it's not going to matter and they're not going to be interested in watching hockey in the summer, and they'd rather just pick things back up in the fall. And look, if you're, if you're in the camp that you don't believe the NHL should restart because it'll be too difficult to do it safely, that's one thing. I get that. But if you don't want to watch playoff hockey, are you insane? This is the best time of year. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the most entertaining playoff in all of sport. And yeah, like I was talking about before, the fans, the atmosphere, that plays plays a huge part of it. 
but how do you not even want to how do you not even want to watch like it's all fan bases too who whose teams aren't in the playoffs like you think Boston Bruins fans are saying don't have a playoff you think Vegas fans who are going to get you know all their injured guys back like Stone back in time St. Louis Blues Tampa Bay you think all those all those fans are saying don't have a playoff no they don't care if there's nobody in attendance. They want their team to win the Stanley Cup. And as an Ottawa fan, if the Sens were in the playoffs, I'd be feeling the same way. But above all, man, I'm a hockey fan. Like, I love this sport. I've always loved this sport, and I really fell in love with it again when my football career ended. It was, it was a distraction for me, watching Sens games as bad as they were and as painful as they were to watch. It was something else to think about. It was a different avenue to go down. It made me feel like, you know, I was going through a time where I felt like my life was over, man. Like, I'd, I felt like everything I had worked so hard for was just gone. And watching hockey was, it was a distraction from that, but then... From there, I was able to use my Silver 7 work and just bury myself in it. And that helped. That helped me kind of deal with things and process things. And now here I am doing the podcast, writing for Silver 7. Truthfully, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm not playing football anymore. Because I wouldn't want to do that. Because I, 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 I love doing this. I wouldn't want to go back. But I'm, I'm getting off track. My main point is that if you were a fan of this sport, like you want to see this, you want to see this thing through. I don't want to go a year without a Stanley Cup champion. And look, I'm not saying that they should do it at all costs. If they can't do it safely, if people are going to get sick, if God forbid people are going to die, then don't do it, obviously. But if the UFC proved one thing, it's that this can be done. The UFC had three positive tests after putting on three events. They tested, I think, thousands of people. I think it might have been like 1,100 people, something like that. One fighter got sick and two of his trainers got sick. They got to it before it could spread to anyone, and they were fine. Like, there's hope here. Again, safety has to be the primary concern. For all the financial reasons and all the reasons of like preserving the sanctity of the game and all that, people have to stay safe. We have to make sure people don't get sick because people will die. But if they can do this, how do people not want to watch hockey this summer in July and August? Well, I want to be outside. Well, <laughs> go outside, man. Like, that doesn't mean they should cancel the season. Like, we know. You know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, viewership of the playoffs kind of lapses here and there. Like, it's heavy for the first round and it's heavy for the final. It kind of tails off maybe a little bit in between. And so if you want to go outside, go outside. But don't say people don't want to watch hockey in the summer. I want to watch hockey in the summer. July and August, when the only sport on is baseball and the CFL. Yeah, give me the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll be all over that. And I mean, I do get it. Like, it would feel, it's, it's going to feel weird. We're not used to that kind of thing. We're not used to having the Stanley Cup playoffs take place in the summertime. 
But I mean, if you want to put a positive spin on it, it's certainly going to be unique. It's going to be something to tell the grandkids about. You know, it's going to be something that's looked back on historically as the year without fans or the year with the, where the pandemic shortened the season. And not to put a positive spin on the pandemic, because I mean, for God's sake, like this is, it's a nightmare that we keep waking up every day in, but I don't know. Like, I want to watch hockey this summer. So I am guess I'm just struggling to understand the crowd that doesn't. Like, the Stanley Cup final takes place, or the Stanley Cup playoffs take place in May and June when the weather first starts getting nice. So you're like, so if you're like, I'll watch it in May and June, but if you put it to July, there's no way I'm watching. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, the weather's marginally nicer from June, from July as opposed to June. So why does it matter? I don't know. I don't get it. To me, if you're a fan of hockey, um, and if you're a fan of the work that these players do and everything that they put themselves through, you don't want to see them robbed of an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. You want them to see this thing through and finish their season. That's how I feel. These guys deserve it. If your team's like the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings, eh, pack it up. Go home. Chill out till October. But... For teams like the Bruins, like the Capitals, the Blues, these are teams that want to win the Stanley Cup and that they have a, a legitimate shot to win it, a good one. And you want to take that from them because you don't want to watch hockey in the summer? Give me a break. And I bet, I bet my bottom dollar too that the people are saying they won't watch in July and August. They'll watch in July and August. Guaranteed. We haven't had hockey since March. And the last game was the Ottawa Senators and the Los Angeles Kings. We're starved for good hockey. It's been so long. So, like I said, if they can do it safely, I will be there with bells on in July and August. And speaking of what the NHL is going to do, let's talk about the draft lottery and the draft itself. Because I said it on this podcast two weeks ago, so it's definitely my fault, but it seemed like a June draft was imminent and that the Ottawa Senators were going to pick no worse than second and third or something like that. And now there's talk of a 24-team playoff, but maybe not a 24-team playoff. It'll be a 16-team playoff, but eight teams will have to play in, and those play-in teams will get a shot at first overall. Like... What are we doing? Like, look, if you're the NHL, you've really got to be careful. You've got to figure this out, and you got to take all the time you need, and you got to get it right. But I am so sick to death of the back and forth. I am so tired of this will-they-won't-they game. And I think everyone is. I don't think I'm alone in that category by any means. But in terms of the logistics of what we're talking about here, why in the world? Like, I've even heard the idea of a 31-team lottery being thrown around. Like, what in the... What is that about? 
the purpose of an NHL draft lottery is one, to prevent tanking or discourage it anyway, and two, all in all, is to make bad teams better and give them an equal shot at it without preferential treatment. Look at a team like the Ottawa Senators. Do they tank this year? No. They traded everybody worth a damn last season. But that doesn't really correlate to this year. And even this year, they played their asses off all year. Almost every game was competitive this year. And if a team is that, has work ethic that strong and still sucks that bad, they deserve a better chance to pick first overall. You can say the same of Detroit. Detroit's terrible. Detroit is garbage. So you're not going to convince me that teams that are on the bubble, like the New York Rangers and the Winnipeg Jets, deserve a chance to be in this lottery. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. If you're going to do the 2014 play-in thing, fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. If you feel the need to even the odds in that way, I'm all for it. More hockey, I'm happy. But don't put those teams in the lottery. The six team or whatever it is, sorry, seven teams that aren't covered by the play-in should be the ones in the lottery. It should be the Ottawa's. It should be the Detroit's, the L.A.'s, the Anaheim's, San Jose. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> it should be those teams. Because the NHL has branded itself on parity, especially since the last lockout and since the implementation of the salary cap. So to give teams, like I said, that are on the bubble a shot and take away from the odds that Ottawa has and Detroit has and L.A. has, it doesn't make sense. If you want parity... You want Detroit to be good again. You want Ottawa to be good again. So why are you going to put a roadblock in their path? Can you imagine if the Senators or the Red Wings get hosed by this and a team leapfrogs them all the way up to first, second, or third or pushes Ottawa back to fifth and sixth? That would be brutal. Like, the top ten of this draft is still... Stacked beyond belief. But if you're the Ottawa Senators and you're looking at a chance to get um, two of Alexi Lafreniere, Quinton Byfield, and Tim Stutzel. And now the NHL wants to tell you that, you know, the, the Winnipeg Jets or whoever are deserving of a shot to be in this lottery. If I'm Pierre Dorian, if I'm Eugene Melnick, I am losing my mind. And you should be. Especially for the fans of the Senators that have had to endure all this just torrential downpour for the last three years. They need this. I'm a Senators fan. 
I am dying for a reason to believe in this team again. We're almost there. Kachuk, Shabbat, the prospects, like the 12 prospects that could really make a run at an NHL spot and the upper end of them be NHL impact NHL players. Damn close. The Senators need a franchise player, and they stand to get maybe two in this draft. If they do this the right way, and if they keep the lottery odds to the teams that are not going to be in the play-in, or if they go that route. Like, oh, it's exhausting. It always feels like it's frustrating being a fan of the NHL and covering the NHL sometimes because it just feels like they shoot themselves in the foot. They're their own worst enemy. The easiest thing to do was a few weeks ago. Hold the draft in June. Or at least set the odds for the upper end of the draft in June. Let the teams that aren't in the playoffs and aren't going to have a chance to play into the playoffs, let them be done with this already. Like, why are we making these teams sit around and wait? So they can get three regular season games in and, you know, Ottawa earns a couple more points, their lottery odds fall. Same with, you know, San Jose earns a couple more points. Like, what are we doing? Especially considering we want to get ready for the next season. If you don't want next season to be impacted by running this one late or be impacted as little as possible, let the upper end teams, or upper end of the draft anyway, the Ottawa's, the Detroit's, let them know where they're drafting. Give them an idea of who they're picking. Hold the draft as early as possible. Let them get with their prospects, get working with them in some way, shape, or form. And they'll be ready to go for the next season. Alexi Lafreniere will make his NHL debut. Quentin Byfield will make his NHL debut. Stutzel, all those guys. It just feels like we're prolonging the inevitable at this point. Don't overcomplicate this. There's no reason for these teams that are in a play-in to be in the draft lottery. If you're in a play-in with a chance to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's your lottery. Because you have a chance to earn a shot to win the Stanley Cup. That is more than Ottawa can say. That's more than Detroit can say. That's more than L.A. can say, Anaheim can say, San Jose can say. Why do you get a shot to play for the Stanley Cup and a shot at the first overall pick or a high draft pick? It's absurd. It's patently absurd. It's dumb. It's like the line from Jurassic Park. Just because you could doesn't mean you should. In other news, Eugene Melnick was on the radio again. (laughs) 
phrase that sh- sends shivers down the spines of Senators fans everywhere. Eugene Melnick was on the radio. Um, people are going to think that I'm on the Ottawa Senators payroll because every time I've brought up Eugene Melnick in the last, well, other than the whole Jim Little situation. So, yeah, since this whole pandemic started, everything has been positive. And no, it's not a coronavirus-induced hallucination. I'm not delirious. Eugene Melnick has done a good job. And he continued that trend with his radio appearance on the Fan 590 the other day with Roger Lajoie, who was a former employee of Eugene Melnick's. Everything was overwhelmingly positive. I covered it on Twitter. He spoke about what a gut punch it is for Belleville to not to get to finish their season and make a run at a Calder Cup. He talked about potentially getting prospects to play during in some time in the foreseeable future because the AHL is not going to be able to generate money from ticket revenue. But those prospects need to play games, so like it's a catch-22. And he talked about the Senators, and he talked about their fans. He addressed their fans, actually. And he told them that better days are coming, to paraphrase, really. He told fans of the Ottawa Senators that soon they will be able to take pride in being a fan again, and that their team will be champions Sooner than later. He phrased it kind of funny. He said, their fans will be able to say we will be champions sooner than later. So that's about as close to um, to a we're going to win the Stanley Cup as you're going to get. And I really can't find any fault or any misstep in what Melnick said. I liked it, to tell you the truth. There were some people who were upset that he said they were going to win a Stanley Cup. But I'm like, well, what's he supposed to say? What do you want him to say? We're going to be good and we're going to we're going to really give it a try? How do you think fans would have reacted to that after everything that's happened since Alfredson left the first time? People would have been pissed because it's not a commitment to winning. And that was the biggest criticism levied at Eugene Melnick after everything that happened. All the trades, everything. I levied this criticism at him. I, t- I said that this ownership group had no commitment to winning. There's no organizational standard. That sounds like a commitment to winning to me. At least a verbal one. At least he's saying it. Maybe even, even if he doesn't really mean it. At least he's saying it. He's not talking about gutting the team again. It's positivity. I think we're so starved for positivity as fans of the Ottawa Senators that we don't even know how to recognize it anymore. It's something. I like it. I like an owner. I like anyone that comes out and says, yeah, we're going to be damn good. And we're going to win a cup. Try to stop us. I love that attitude. That's a winning attitude. 
one of the first steps of winning is believing in yourself. It's looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm bad. And the guy across from me, he's got to try to stop me. That's about as corny as it gets, but damn if it ain't true. (laughs) But no, like, I don't know what he could have said that would have been better than that. Short of, like, yeah, I don't even know. What do you want the guy to say? We're not going to win a Stanley Cup? We gutted all. We gutted the team for nothing. I, I don't understand. And look, I'm not. Again, I'm not a Eugene Melnick cheerleader by any means. If you know anything about me, you know that. I've been as critical of the guy, if not more critical of him, than anyone. But it was another positive step from the owner. I want an order that's going to say we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Why shouldn't he? The foundation is in place for a Stanley Cup team. The deepest prospect pool in the league, Brady Kachuk, who will be one of if not one of the best forwards in the league, Tom Shabbat, who's a future Norris Trophy winner, a wealth of goaltending prospects. Why not? All kinds of cap room, whether or not they're actually going to use it. Why shouldn't the Ottawa Senators be looked at as a future Stanley Cup winner? And why shouldn't they belt that out? Why shouldn't they say we're coming for it? If it's because you're afraid that teams are going to throw it in your face when you don't win 10 years from now, so what? How is it any different than any other time in Ottawa Senators history? They've never won. That's the reputation this team has. Close, but no cigar. Close in 2003. Close in 2007. Close in 2017. It's always been close, but not close enough. So if 10 years from now, or even 5 years from now, or 6 years from now, if 3 years from now Ottawa's in last place, and people are looking back on Eugene Melnick's comments and said, oh, 3 to 5 years, unparalleled success. So what? Who cares? Honestly, good for Melnick for piping up and being a cheerleader for his team for a change. Instead of, we're kind of in the dumpster, or if it becomes a disaster. All the other things we grilled him for. I say it all the time. You gotta give credit where it's due. And credit is due, folks. Beyond that, he talked about how the Senators weren't going to use all of their picks. They may look to move up. And the people were even upset about that. It's like, well, Melnick shouldn't say this. Dorian should be saying that. It's like, oh, my God. You shouldn't be making those decisions. I really don't think. I think, obviously, he has the final say. But I don't think Eugene Melnick is penning the draft strategy for the Ottawa Senators. And also, Pierre Dorian has said that they probably won't use all the picks, that they will look to package them. So, pipe down. You don't have to be angry all the time. In any case, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about him saying they may look to move up. I, I don't love the moving up plan. 
they have what? I think it's five or six picks through the first two rounds of the draft. To me, there's no need to... I would rather package picks for a player than to move up and draft somebody. Trevor Shackle, who's cost per point cast, was talking on Twitter, and he's in, we're, we were actually talking, him and I, and he said that unless somebody really good falls into the laps of the Senators, they should look to package those picks for a good young player. I don't know who that would be. Um, I don't know who would be available come draft time. I'm sure a lot of it would depend on the playoffs and how the rest of this year shakes out and any kind of free agency period, anything like that. But to me, that's the way you go. At a certain point, you need guys that are already established and can step into a full-time role on this team and aren't going to need more seasoning in Belleville. Look at a guy like Connor Brown. He stepped in this year. He was an established NHL player. And he had a huge role on the team this year. He was one of their best forwards this year. So if they can even get a guy like that, like it doesn't even necessarily have to be a top six forward. If you can get a really good bottom six guy like Connor Brown, I'm all for that. Absolutely. I would rather, like, to me it's getting to the point where the Senators in a year or two they're going to be closer to being competitive than not being competitive. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of good players in this draft. There really is. But at what point do you want guys that are ready and not guys that you have to develop that may not even pan out? I would like rather them see rather see them use those picks for a player. But I mean, like Trevor said, if someone nice, like if a juicy prospect falls to them and they have a chance to trade up and get them, why not? Go for it. The more the merrier, as they say. Let's get to some questions. Not a lot to talk about these days. Who is the best Senators defenseman in the system other than Eric Branstrom. So we're talking prospects. So I guess it's between Lassie Thompson and JBD, Jacob Bernard Docker. Um, here's the thing. Lassie is probably more pro-ready. He seems a bit more physically mature. He's played a year in a men's league. It seems like he's coming to Belleville next year, whereas Bernard Docker is going back to uh, UND. So, I don't know. It's a tough one. I feel like Bernard Docker's ceiling is higher. I feel like he has the chance to be a more well-rounded, impactful defenseman. Like I feel like Bernard Docker has more, ch- more potential to be a top-pairing defenseman than Lassie does. But for if we're talking more pro-ready, it's Lassie right now. Who would be the five or six B-Sens players Huge talked about on the roster from his radio hit on Sportsnet, and where would you slot them? Um, that's one thing I didn't touch on. Eugene Melnick also said he expects probably five or six guys to make the jump from Belleville to Ottawa next year. 
Um, I would expect those guys to be uh, Rudy Balsers, Christian Mullanen, uh Drake Batherson, probably Josh Norris, Logan Brown, Alex Formington. I don't know if I mentioned Brandstrom. Um, if I didn't, then Eric Brandstrom. So I think he said there could be even be seven or eight, and those would probably be the seven or eight guys that I would peg. I think the sure, um, the sure thing is Batherson. I think Norris is about as close to a sure thing as you can get. Um, Logan Brown's almost there. Willandon's already an NHL player. I hardly consider him a Belleville player. Same can be said with Rudy Balsers. Um, I see Willandon playing in the bottom four. Obviously, nobody's playing above Thomas Shabbat on this team. Balsers could, has the potential to play some top six minutes, but I see him mainly around the third line. I think Batherson spends most of the year in the top six. He's going to cement himself as a first or second line right winger. Norris will probably play between the second, third, and first line. It's honestly a wild card. Um, he could end up being used in that kind of checking role. Well, no, he's too skilled for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see Josh Norris stepping in and becoming the number one center of this team. It would be a big jump, but he could do it. Uh, same can be said of Logan Brown. Um, I don't think I think if he's not playing first or second line minutes, he's going to be playing in Belleville. Formington is a big one who I think has outgrown the AHL. Uh, he may not well, he may not make it right out of camp, but he'll be there in Ottawa in some capacity, probably at some point. I think his ceiling is probably second line winger. Um, whether he hits that this year or not, I don't know, but. Uh, he definitely has the potential to get there. And the last one, oh, it's a music question. Um, what are the best country albums you've heard as of late? Uh, well, Jason Isbell's album just came out, Reunions. It's really good, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. Um, I listened to an album called Lamentations by American Aquarium. That is a great, great record. Um, Ashley McBride's album as well. I think it's called Never Will. Um, that's a really great record too. So those would be the three that I'd have to go with that have kind of been on repeat for me lately. You should definitely check them out. They are awesome. Real country, not the crap you hear on the radio. Luke Bryan about pickup trucks and fishing and all that stuff that takes years off my life when I listen to it. In any case, I have nothing more to contribute, nothing more intelligent anyway. So that's going to wrap this one up for episode 18 of Internal Budget. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure that you like the podcast, share the podcast with your friends, download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and rate it five stars. I know I'm asking a lot of you. I really am. I'm the worst. But that five stars thing is really important. The more ratings I get, the better. So... And obviously, the better the podcast gets, the more cool people I can have on, the more cool things I can do. So, appreciate your listenership. Please, for the love of God, stay home, stay healthy, and stay safe. Episode 19 next week. Episode Jason Spezza. We'll see you then. Take care, y'all.